Hey everybody, thank you for taking time to listen to this message. I pray that it's a blessing to you. And I want to remind you today, no matter what's going on in your life or around the world, the Lord Jesus loves you. God has got everything under control. And cheer up, friend. Jesus is soon coming. May the Lord Jesus bless you and keep you. God bless you. Number 14, and then we will read down through verse number 17. Romans chapter number 8, verse number 14, the Bible says, For as many are led by the Spirit of God, and they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we love You this morning. Thank You for Your goodness. Thank You for Your mercy. Lord, thank You for being a loving Savior and a loving God to us. Lord, I thank you for the songs that have been sung. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd be with us as we open up the Word of God. I pray that you'd help us to rightly divide the Word of truth. And God, that if there's one here that does not know Christ, I pray that the sweet Spirit of God would draw them and they'd trust Christ before it's too late. For us that are saved, I pray that you'd draw us closer to you. And it's in your Son's name I pray. Amen. I want you to think just for a moment, imagine if you will, if you were uh, born into a, uh, a poor, poverty-stricken family. Now, I know that a lot of times we, we joke around um, about, about being poor, and um, we used to say growing up that we were so poor that we spelled it with three O's instead of two. And, uh, we, we, all, we all joke around about being poor, but... But reality of it is the average American knows nothing about being poor. Um, but just imagine, if you will, just, you, you know, we've all seen the commercials. We've all seen the, the television shows of people in third world countries that are not as blessed as we have been. And um, the, the way they live and the things that go on. Just, just imagine, if you will, just if you can, just think about you being in that position and that you... Um, you, being in that and being in, born into that uh, that uh, world and the, that uh, reality uh, and, and think about that you have maybe even have a family that you're born into that, that didn't love you didn't even care about you but, but then all of a sudden you being in that poor poverty stricken family and in that family that did not care for you that family that did not love you but then all of a sudden, come along comes a, a person that is very wealthy, a person that is very kind, a person that's very gentle, and comes along and says, you know what, I, I, I love you, and I want you to become my child. I want to take you from this poverty-stricken family, this family that does not care about you, this family that does not love you, this family that cannot provide for you. I want to take you out of this family, and I want to put you into my family to where you'll never have to worry about anything again. 
All of us today, if that was the case, all of us would jump on that, uh, that chance, that opportunity, in a blink of an eye. In reality, though that may not happen physically, that's exactly what happened to us spiritually when we got born again. Is that Jesus Christ come to us and said, listen, said, I want to take you out of this place uh, uh, that you're poor, you're poverty stricken. Uh, and there again, we're not talking about just physically, we're talking about spiritually. A place where nobody loves you, a place where nobody cares for you. Uh, and I want to put you into a different family to where you're going to be taken care of. You're going to be take, you're going, not going to have to worry about things. Uh, you're not going to have to worry about uh, if you're going to be provided for because I'm going to do all that. And so this is verse number 14 down through verse number 17 describes the believer's new relationship and, and their place in the family of God. And the last, verse of, the last verse that we read, verse number 17, talks about being heirs of God and then being joint heirs with Christ. And so I want us to look this morning at these verses and look at, and look at the thought of, of how to know that you're a heavenly heir. How to know that you are, you are truthfully an heir of God and joint heirs with Christ. Now, I do understand that we could just look at these verses and say that, well, I, I, I know that I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ just simply because the Bible says so. And I, I understand that, and I don't want to take away from that, and, and that is very much true. We, we don't have to expound on the Word of God for the Word of God to be true. But there's some things here in these verses that I think that if we will notice and we uh, will let the Lord speak to our heart, uh, we can see of a more truth. Uh, there's more truth to this than just that the Word of God says so. Number one, the first way that we know that we are a heavenly heir, verse number 14 says it is uh, uh, that of being, the, being led by the Spirit of God, by the, by the Holy Spirit of God. We find verse number 14 again, he says, For as many are led by the Spirit of God... They are the sons of God. And so we find that the Spirit of God, we all know that the Spirit of God is a, is, it comes to the child of God to be a guide and he gives a direction and he gives a, um, guidance to the believer, to the, all that which concerns the believer. Uh, so Psalm 37 verse number 23 says, For the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. But I want us to think just for a moment to, on four things, what the word, what the Spirit of God leads the believer to do. Number one, the first thing that the Spirit of God does is it it leads the believer to follow the Word of God. The the Spirit of God never will lead the believer to do anything against the Word of God. I have I, in pastoring, and brother Tim, you you've probably seen it too in pastoring you. You come across people and, and they'll say, well, God, God led me to do this. And you, you begin to look at what God, quote unquote, led them to do. And you'll, you'll find out that, that that's not at all what the Spirit of God led them to do because it goes contrary to the Word of God. I'm not at all doubting that a Spirit led them to do it. But there's a difference between the Spirit of God and the, the other spirits, all right? That's why the Bible says try the spirits and see if they be of God. There's a lot of people that are, that are being led by a spirit, 
but it is not the Spirit of God. And so the Spirit of God will never, will, will never uh, lead you to do anything against the Word of God. John chapter number 16, verse number 13 says this, Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. Not only does the Spirit of God lead the believer in following the Word of God, but the Spirit of God leads the believer into reading the Word of God. Psalms 119 verse 105 says this, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Probably one of the, one of the detriments of 21st century Christianity is that we believe we can be a Christian without the Word of God. Now, friend, you cannot be a Christian without the Word of God. The Word of God is, is our uh, uh, instruction book. It is what it, what's the Spirit of God uses to lead us and to guide us. But the Spirit of God also, in the life of the believer, not only will lead the believer to follow the Word of God, and not only will lead the believer to read the Word of God, but the Spirit of God will lead the believer to flee from sin. There again, John 16 and 7 and 8 says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, notice this, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And today, I don't have to elaborate on this. If you are saved by the grace of God, you know what it is that when you begin to begin to walk into walking into doing something that you're not supposed to do, you know what it is when the Spirit of God begins to deal with your heart. And uh, He begins to, to uh, steer you away from doing that or uh, steer you away from going in that direction. And, and uh, sometimes there, there's, there's been times that, uh, that we've all been tempted to go astray. And it's almost, you know, like kids. Sometimes if, you, if you're close enough to your kids uh, and they're doing something wrong, sometimes you can just clear your throat and they'll... And they'll begin to uh, come to attention and they'll, they'll begin to do what they're supposed to do. And some, sometimes it is that way with the Spirit of God. There's sometimes that you and I begin to get out of line and the Spirit of God inside of our heart just begins to clear His throat. And we know what that means. That means get back in line. Get back where you're supposed to be. And so the Spirit of God in the life of the believer leads that believer to follow the Word of God. He leads that believer to read the Word of God. And it leads that believer to flee from sin. But also the Spirit of God testifies of the Son of God. Now there again, John 15 and verse number 26 says, But when the Comforter has come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, uh, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. Now everything that the Spirit of God leads the believer to do or to say testifies of the Son. Now here's the problem. A lot of times there again we, we use this statement that well the Spirit of God has led me to say this. If it does not testify of the Son of God, the Spirit of God had no dealings in leading you to say it. Because the Spirit of God testifies of the Son of God. And so a lot of things that are said 
uh, under the uh, under the umbrella of the Spirit of God uh, really is not from the Spirit of God because it testifies of someone other than Jesus Christ. Listen, if you, if you and I ever begin to get begin to testify or begin to tell of our testimony, and if it does not tell of Jesus Christ, uh, there is that is no testimony. Uh, I, I've been in places where people stand up and testify about all the things that they gave up to follow Jesus Christ and all the hardships that they've endured and all the pain and all the hurt and all the things that they come along. Friend, that's not a testimony. and That's just you bragging on yourself. But friend, when, when the Spirit of God begins to deal in your, your heart and begins to deal in my heart, uh, it'll testify of the Son of God and that ought to be what our life is about is testifying of the Son of God. And so we can see that we are heavenly heirs this morning because of being led by the Spirit of God and being led in those, uh, in those ways. Now there's more ways, but time would fail for us to look at them all this morning. But those are four ways. He, uh, he leads the believer in following the Word of God. Leads the believer in reading the Word of God. Leads the believer in fleeing from sin. And, that, and leads the believer in testifying of the Son. So we see the leading of the Spirit. But then in verse number 15, we see that of the embracing of the Spirit. He says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. That's part one. This is a two-part verse. Part two is this, But you have received the spirit of, of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And so there again, this is a two-part verse. There's something that is removed, then there is something that is received. That which is removed is in the first part of the verse, and it is that of the spirit of bondage. And notice what that spirit of bondage that he says is. It is the spirit of fear. Now there again, we have, we have just come through a time where a lot of people have, have used this phrase and used some of this verse to, uh, to, to um, make a slogan and, and, and all that's well and good, I'm not saying, but, but a lot of times that, that spirit of, of, of fear, that spirit of bondage, it, and, and what he's talking about is, is not so much as, uh, uh, there again, uh, uh, what, we, what we think about when you think about coming through COVID and, and all that stuff, he's not talking about fear of sickness, fear of physicalness in this verse that we read but this spirit of bondage, this spirit of, of fear that he's talking about in verse number 15 uh, is, that of the, is that of the law. Remember in the Old Testament that the believers lived under the law. They lived in constant fear of the judgment of God uh, falling upon them because of the law. And so when he makes this statement that, that we are uh, free from that bondage of fear, that spirit of bondage, uh, uh, that spirit of fear that we are we're, we no longer live in the fear of death and judgment of God. Why why do we no longer live in that spirit of of bondage? And that's why he says what he says in verse number fifteen. But ye have received the spirit of uh, adoption. So there's the spirit of bondage that has passed away. Uh, now that that has passed away, we now have a new spirit, uh, and it is the spirit of adoption. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Now, in our day, adoption is kind of a taboo subject. 
um, depending on who you talk to, uh, um, it, 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 it just depends um, uh, how they're feeling about it. But in, the, in their day, adoption was quite different than it is in our day. Matter of fact, if you study, you'll find out that in, in, in Roman days, in, in Rome, it was, a, it was a considered a great privilege to be adopted. And uh, I can remember when we, when we began to, and I'm going to say this and then get back into that. I can remember when we began to roll around the idea of adoption. Uh, I, I began to talk to somebody and, and uh, made the statement about that we are thinking about adopting. And the, the, the comment was made back to me, that's all well and good. But you'll never be able to love that kid like it's your own. And that really, that really kind of struck me back and um, kind of took me off surprise that that was told to me. And, and then, then fast forward several years after we have adopted the boys and then adopted the girls and then got the baby, got Waylon. That same person come back to me and said, you know, I remember when you told us that, that y'all were thinking about adoption. And I, I made that statement. And they said, you know what? I, I don't think that I could love these kids anymore, even if they were biological. Love is not based upon connection. Love is based upon choice. You hear a lot of people talking about, I have fallen in love with someone. If you fall in love with them, it's a choice. Just as it's a choice to fall out of love with somebody. And so this idea of adoption, as he is talking about, if you study out, there again, it's quite a little bit different in our days. But, but in, in, in this time, adoption was something, it was permanent, it was forever. It, it, there was never a time, once a, once a kid was adopted, uh, there was never a time uh, that they could unadopt that kid. Now, I always thought it was that way, um, that even today it was that way. But when we, when we began to go through the process, uh, we were signing papers for, for, for the boys. Uh, and we had to sign a paper about um, that if we ever want to, Give them back. We have to give them so many days notice. And, and KK says, does, does that really happen? That people will adopt a kid and then, then send them back? And the lady kind of looked at us and she said, more than you want to know. And so even in our day, adoption can be reversed. But in their day, there was no such thing. Adoption was forever. It was they would be forever a child of that person. Not only was it forever, but it was immediate. And when that adoption took place, all they had the all rights, all the rights of a legitimate child of that couple. It was permanent. It was immediate, but it also canceled some things out. The, uh, the adoptee looked like a, looked like a new person in their, in their society. If a, if a person, if a child was adopted, it canceled out any debt. It canceled out any obligation in society that that child had 
of its prior family. So if that child, say for instance, if that if that child's family owed a great debt of money to uh, money to the government, uh, and that 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 child's parents something happened to them, they they died or whatever the case was, uh, and then that debt was transferred to the child. If that child was adopted, uh, that debt was canceled. Uh, because they're into a new family. I don't know. That, that sounds like a whole lot. Exactly what happens to us when we get saved. First of all, when we get saved, it is, it is something that is permanent. We never have to worry about being out of the family of God. It's immediate. At the moment we trust Christ as our Savior, immediately we're placed into the family of God. And we have, have the rights of the family of God. And then it cancels some things. When we got saved, God canceled all of our past. All of our sin debt. All of our obligations from to the flesh then. Back then, all of that's done away with. So we see, we see some steps of adoption. Then we see the connection that was received by the spirit of adoption. He says, whereby we cry, Abba, the Father. Now, the word Abba is, a, is an uh, Aramaic term for father. And it is used in connection to intimacy and tenderness and, and dependence. So we go from the spirit of bondage, uh, living in constant fear of the judgment of God uh, before we're saved. And now that we're after we're saved, uh, we live in the spirit of adoption, knowing that a father will not do anything uh, against his own child. And so we see the we see the embracing of the Spirit of God. But then we see the leading of the Spirit of God in verse number 14, the embracing in verse number 15, then the bearing witness in verse number 16 and 17. Now I want you to notice verse number 16. The Bible says this, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now in verse number 16, it is, it is imperative for me to say this, that verse is used out of context among believers way more than it should be. This is the way we use this verse. Say, for instance, you're at Walmart and you're going down the aisle. You bump into somebody. You begin to talk to that, talk to that person. They begin to talk to you. And, uh, and you, you kind of have that connection. And you say, hey, are you a Christian? They say, yeah, I'm a born again Christian. I, I go to such and such church. Well, I go to such and such church. And then you, then you come, go, go home and you say, you'll never get, I met so-and-so who goes to so-and-so church. And I knew they were saved because their spirit bore witness with my spirit. That's how we use that verse. That's out of context. That's not what that verse says. Now, be very careful about this. No matter what kind of connection you think you have, you don't know if that person's a child of God or not. You, you, we, can, we, can, we can say that we, you know, we have that connection, but really, what really, in reality, we're trying to make it something spiritual when really it's just personal. Uh, they, if, you, if, you, if you talk about the right thing, whatever, whatever it is you're passionate about, whatever it is that you love, if you find somebody else that loves that, you're, you're going to have that connection and it don't have anything to do with the Spirit of God. It just has to do with what you like and what you love. 
And so that, that verse is not saying that because even if it was, uh, notice, notice in your Bible, notice the first two words, the Spirit. That, that, that first Spirit is capital. Our Spirit's never capital. S. Every time in the Scripture you see a capital S, it's always referring to the Spirit of God. The Spirit itself, capital S, referring to the Spirit of God, beareth witness with our spirit, lowercase s. That's us. That we are the children of God. So, I, I don't want to bust your bubble or, or ruin your theology, but I'm just telling you, you, you can do what you want to with it, but that's not, a lot of times the way we interpret that verse is not what that verse really means. So what does it really mean? Well, it means this. There again, the Spirit, capital S, talking about the Spirit of God, bearing witness with our Spirit, lowercase s. This is the fellowship that the Spirit of God has with those who are saved. Now, it is, it is the same way we use it, humanly speaking, is a lot of the ways that it does apply. Now, when, there again, when we meet somebody and we begin to talk to them and begin to begin to fellowship with them and we have that connection and we say our spirit more witness with their spirit so thus they may, must be a child of God. The way we use it in that sense is a lot of the way it is used, used when it's dealing in the right sense with the spirit of God and with us. What it is is it bearing the spirit of God bearing witness with our spirit is meaning that the spirit of God speaks to us. That the spirit of God but moves us, that the Spirit of God leads us, that the Spirit of God warns us, that the Spirit of God feeds us and He comforts us. There again, it, 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 in reality, it's, it's saying that the Spirit of God uh, uh, speaks to us, uh, that lives inside of us, speaks to us. And listen, if the Spirit of God never speaks to an individual, it may be because they are not a child of God. And so, so tonight, this morning, we have to understand this, this bearing witness with the Spirit. When you sin, uh, do you have someone, some, that Spirit of God living inside of you, that when you sin goes, <coughs> you just messed up. You need to get right. You need to ask forgiveness. You need to ask God to forgive you of this sin. That's what this verse is talking about in verse number 16. Then verse number 17 says, And if children, so it is basing it off, verse number 17 is basing it off of verse number 16. So the Spirit of God is bearing witness with your spirit. You are a child of God. And if you are a child of God, then here is what, what you have to look forward to. The thing you have to look forward to is this, is that you have... You're an heir of God. You're joint heirs with Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, verse number 9 says this, But as it, as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. And so, listen, there's a lot, a lot of stuff that could be said, a lot of wonderful truths, but aren't you glad to know that, that the this down here is for the child of God is the worst we'll ever have. That which is to come is the best we'll ever have. 
lot, lot of times we look at people who have everything they want, everything you could ever dream of, uh, everything you could imagine, uh, and we look at them and we think, boy, to be them. But reality of it is, is one day the roles will be reversed. The tables will be turned. And those, a, lot, a lot of those that had the best down here in eternity will have the worst. And then us, a lot of us that have struggled through life and barely made it through in eternity will have the best, not because we struggled or not because we was poor, because of what we did with Christ. So then verse number 17, we are heirs with God, joint heirs with Christ. Everything that Christ has, we have a portion of it. And then he goes on to say this in the last part of verse number 17, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also may be also glorified together. So the beginning of the verse, he talks about heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, but, but he then says, he begins, ends this verse, he says, oh yeah. He says, if you're, going, if you're a child of God, if you're children of God, you're heirs with God, you're joint heirs with Christ, but... There's going to be suffering involved. Yes, Paul would write unto Timothy, he said, All that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Suffering and being a child of God goes hand in hand together. Now there again, us as Americans, we don't know much about suffering for the cause of Christ because of the the wonderful privilege we have had to grow up in a, in a country that allows us the freedom to worship God and to worship how we see fit. But there's been a lot of people that has not had that luxury. That have given their life to worship Christ. Now there again, our idea of suffering is having... Having to come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night a lot of times. That's a lot of people's idea of suffering for Jesus in our day. But if Jesus tarries, I'm afraid we may see what suffering really is. I heard a story one time, but I don't think this was true, but I heard a story one time. There was a church out in the, in the middle of nowhere. And it was over in, over in England and they was getting ready to have church and the church house was packed and the choir was singing and as soon as the choir got done singing, some people busted the front doors and they had, had guns and they said, everybody in here that's a Christian, stand up. And boy, they was just a few people that stood up Everybody else kept standing down. They said, now if you didn't stand up and you're not a Christian, you're free to go. But everybody else that said they're a Christian, you can't leave. So everybody that didn't stand up, they all rushed out, out of the doors, and those gunmen locked the door and said, all right, now that the hypocrites are gone, let's have church. Very few people are willing to live for Christ, much less die for Christ. 
But he says, if so be that you suffer with Him, notice what he says, last part, that we may be also glorified together. Isn't it amazing that God never promised the child of God that it would be without suffering? But He did promise that if you suffer, it would be worth it. And so we see this heavenly heirs. Well, I, I keep waiting for a rich relative that I don't know I have to die. I don't know if it's ever going to happen. But I'm waiting for it still. Holding out hope. I'll probably never know what it is to be rich worldly. But I don't have to worry about worldly riches because I've got something a lot better awaiting for me in heaven. And there again, I, 31 years old, I've never missed a meal unless I wanted to miss one. And there again, 31 years old, I, I've never had to eat beans and rice just because that was all we could afford. If we had beans and rice, it was because we wanted to have beans and rice. So I'm just telling you, God's been awful good to me, and I know no doubt God's been awful good to you. And it's a wonderful thing to be a child of God. I want to ask you a question as musicians and song leader comes. You know for sure that you're a heavenly heir. Do you, do you allow the Spirit of God to lead you? I used to show, I showed cows when I was in high school. And I had an old, old bull that I showed. It was a man and Jew bull. That thing, boy, his, it looked like an old, looked like an old uh, English bulldog except a cow. I mean, just short and stocky. I mean, just huge. And uh, I showed him that first year. Then I turned him out in the pasture and uh, got him up that second year is going to show him. And boy, I don't know what happened between that first year and that second year, but that thing got mean. And I'm telling you the thing, I used to be able to rub on and do anything I wanted to. Them days was over, friend. But I never will forget one day, that dude, I went in that stall and I was going to put the halter on him and work, wash him off and work with him. And man, that thing got to pinning me up in a corner. And there was a little gold thing that was inside of his nose. And man, I grabbed to hold that thing, and I'm telling you, Peter wasn't like this. I twisted with everything I could, and boy, that old, that old big old bull went down to his knees. And you know, from that day forward, he never one time messed with me again. And I thought, I wish I'd have been using that nose ring a whole lot more than I had been. 
And it didn't matter. Listen, I could put a hay string on that nose ring. I didn't have to have a halter. I could just put a hay string on that nose And everywhere I went, he went. But that ain't the way the Spirit of God's going to do us. A lot of times, a lot of times we think, well, the Spirit of God's not leading me. It's not, not because He don't want to. It's because we won't let Him. He's not going to put a ring through your nose and twist it till you get on your knees and say, okay, I'm finally done kicking and screaming. We'll either let Him lead us or we won't. So today, are you letting Him lead you? Not only are we letting Him lead you, but have we letting Him embrace you? And so many people are living in that, still in that bondage of fear. Of just waiting. It's almost like they're just waiting for God to send down a lightning bolt from heaven and to, to, to sting you with it. Listen, God, God will get your and mine attention. And God is a God of order. Listen, God's also a God who loves His children. And sometimes, to love a, child, to love a child is to whip a child. But you know what? Sometimes it's to get that child up in your arms and just hold, hold them close to you and say, I love you. No matter what you've done, I will always love you. One of the greatest memories I ever have of my mother is I had done something wrong and done something I shouldn't have done and boy, she was giving me the what for. And I, I, I'm telling you, I had made her so mad. And I remember when she got done, I looked at her and I said, Mama, do you still love me? And I never will forget. She got down on her knees and she hugged me. And I, I put my head on my shoulder and she whispered in my ear. She said, son, there's nothing in this world you can do that'll stop me from loving you. Because you are my baby. Sometimes the love of a child is to whip them, but sometimes it's to pull them close and embrace them and say, I love you. Boy, I'm glad the Spirit of God does that sometimes. I'm glad it's not always punishment, but sometimes it's drawing us close. But what a ministry the Spirit of God has in the life of the believer if we'll just let Him have His way. There's no telling what He could accomplish in your life and in mine if we just let Him have our way, have His way. Let's pray. Father, we love You. I pray You'd be with us in this invitation. God, if there's one here that is, Lord, as, Paul, as Saul was, kicking against the... Dear friend, the most important question that you can answer today is this. Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? I hope that the answer to that is yes. But if you don't know, would you reach out to me? I would love to talk with you and pray with you and show you in the scripture how you can know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. 
My email is preachercharliemc at yahoo.com. Please reach out to me if there's any way that I can help you. Remember, Jesus loves you.